This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's Monday, as if you didn't know. Does it feel like a Monday? Maybe a bit of a different Monday for a lot of you. If you were up at uh, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, depending on where you live, obviously, to celebrate the Queen's life, to mourn her loss, um, to tune in along with millions of others to the Queen's funeral, no doubt it'll feel like a different day. Um, I've been seeing evidence on my social media that uh, many people that I know were up in the very early morning hours to participate in this. Check this out. Just one example of many uh, from my Facebook, my good pal Dallas Flexog, a news anchor down in Calgary, says she spent the early morning hours invited into a private home as a group of women gathered starting at 2.30 a.m. to watch the Queen's funeral. Black attire, fascinators, traditional English breakfast and tea, all to, as they say, says Dallas, celebrate the queen they've got the the english tea out there check that out everybody uh, dressed obviously in their funeral attire their black fascinators it's a big deal i saw an estimate somewhere that the television audience for this funeral could top billions uh certainly tens if not hundreds of millions uh, we'll talk to charles adler about this in just a second john hicks technical producer for this show hello you were not up at 2.30 this morning. <laughs> no, I got to conserve my strength for the show. But uh, No offense to the queen, though. But I did, like you, see a lot of people getting up, making a pot of tea, watching this thing. So people are invested. Powerful visuals over the past number of days, to state the obvious, over the past week or so, as the, the queen's body lay in state, right? It was moved from, from Balmoral into Edinburgh and then, of course, back to where... Uh, you know, she had called home in London for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, an unprecedented rain. And uh, we saw today, of course, about 2000 people in person at that funeral. And, and we'll bring you some comments from that. As a matter of fact, why don't we roll it? This is just a this is a quick clip. If you missed it, we'll bring you up to speed. Uh, Charles Adler coming up in just a moment. This is the most reverend Justin Welby, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, just a short time ago. Her late majesty famously declared on a 21st birthday broadcast that her whole life would be dedicated to serving the nation and commonwealth. Rarely has such a promise been so well kept. Few leaders receive the outpouring of love that we have seen. So for many different reasons, obviously, Queen Elizabeth resonated with many, many people. Want to hear your thoughts today? You can tweet us using our hashtag RealTalkRJ. Of course, you can always send us an email to talk at RyanJesperson.com. We'll talk politics and real-life Canadian common sense with Charles Adler in just a second. Right now, I want to remind you, you have until the beginning of November. You don't want to wait that long, though, right, to get in on this Covenant Foundation lottery that we've been telling you about 30 years of life-changing wins. Somebody's life's going to change this time around for sure. Life-changing luxury, a $2.2 million dream home. You can tour the home on the website, covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Check out the other prizes as well, trips, cars. John, there's a Maserati in there. How beautiful is that? Of course, the home comes fully furnished. You have the keys to the Maserati. <laughs> you can have it. <laughs> you can call one 944 2774 or visit covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Your ticket purchase helps 
ensure that the proper resources are there at the Misericordia and Grey Nuns Hospitals. At Westworld Computers, they remain overstocked on a lot of their MacBooks. They've got the MacBook Air for the lighter duty kind of stuff, the MacBook Pros. I love my MacBook Pro. And then, of course, right now, the iPhone 14 Pro is now available. This is the hot new phone from Apple. You have an iPhone 13? What are you even doing? Check out westworld.ca for more information on some great options, that overstock sale. You can shop, of course, online or in person at their West End Edmonton store. Our friends at Local Environmental want to remind you that they're operating family-owned across the prairies. So whether you're tuning into Real Talk from Alberta, Saskatchewan, if you're a business owner, big or small, maybe you've got a small retail location, maybe you've got a huge hotel, whatever it is, Local Environmental Services guarantees better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. You can request a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. Don't forget they present trash talk every Friday right here on the show. And a big shout out to our friends at Sherwood Dodge as well. Johnny, that Ram 1500 Longhorn was doing some transporting for us over the weekend, moving some speakers (laughs) around, moving some gear around. Did it work out for you? It was great. And uh, you're right. You really do feel like a, you know, you feel like you, you feel like you own a piece of land out here in Alberta when you're driving that Longhorn. You got the rustic trimming to it inside. It's, a, it's, 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 it it's an experience. Yeah. It is an experience. The, the leather, all the touches they've thought of, of course, many different trim levels with the Ram. You've got the Sport. You've got the Limited. It's no wonder Albertans trust St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge more than any other dealership to look after them, not just at the point of sale, but the service relationship after. You can shop their new and pre-owned selection online. Just swing by the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Every Monday, we're lucky enough to check in with the RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award-winning talk host, the purveyor of Canadian common sense, Charles Adler. Chuck, were you up at... 1.32 in the morning today, tuning into the Queen's funeral. What's except your morning look like? I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning, but uh, I just want to say that I've been in that Ram, and that's not a car. That's not a truck. That's an acreage. <laughs> right? Beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I get- can't, can't help myself. I, I know, you know, so, some people have tried to portray me on, on, on Twitter and elsewhere as this, uh, I don't know, arch progressive, this convert to progressivism, and I, you know, every time I, I yak with you, my buddy, my, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. That that myth, that fairy tale, gets lost. And and my my guess is, I'm just you know guessing here that most of my progressive friends, I guess people to the left of me culturally, uh, wouldn't appreciate me promoting uh, the Dodge Ram acreage. <laughs> the I think acreage it's a wonderful edition, way to yeah. live. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Well, hey, listen, uh, different strokes for different folks, and that's perfectly yeah. fine. You know, uh, people people can do what floats their boat. That's okay if not everybody agrees on everything it's absolutely con- all this, the time. This, this, despite rumors coming from some people on my right, this is a free country, yeah. and you're free to go buy an acreage. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what John's trying to do right now. As a matter of fact, to, to, to drag him right back into this. Did you ever? Or did you ever? Have you have you always been like an urban dweller? Like, where did you always like to be in the heart of the action, in the middle of the city, or or have you have you had sort of the more rural experience through, through I, your I, life? I, you know, I hate to I hate to do the Hank Snow thing on you, but I've been everywhere. Yeah, and I've lived in all sorts of uh, conditions, and uh, 
you know, one of the one of the reasons uh, the people in Toronto, the people who own the radio station, got so ticked off when I went back uh, west. I went to Winnipeg, and um, they were ticked off because they they felt that the only reason I didn't want to live in Toronto was because I was spending sometimes four or five hours a day in traffic. Right, and so they were trying to convince me to get out of what they called Hooterville. They, they felt I, I lived all the way in Hooterville, just too far. And if only I would move into Forest Hill, which is the area close to the radio station, I would feel better about living in uh, Toronto. But I just I just told them that, I, you know, I realized I'm basically born as two and a half when I got to Montreal. So it's kind of my, my book as close to biological hometown as it gets. Um, but I just became a Westerner. Uh, and uh, I, it's it's hard thing to explain. I mean, you know, when you live out... You live in the West, and, and then you sometimes have to do some business down East. You know what it's like. But it's very, very hard to explain to somebody, and the, the somebodies I had to explain this to uh, were basically born an hour and a half from downtown Toronto, and that is where they have lived all their lives. It's very, very hard to explain to them that you would leave the, the big smoke, the major market, the, yeah. the you know center of the universe and all that stuff uh, for the prairie. But the the, the prairie is, is my favorite place. Yes, I spent a lot of time in, in B.C. as well for – for family reasons, but, um, you know, I'm a Westerner. Can't you, help it. You didn't, uh, through the course of, like, when, when you were, you know, going syndicated primetime mid-afternoon for a lot of years, and I listened yeah. to, to a ton of those shows, you didn't necessarily mention, if I remember correctly, you didn't talk a lot, you didn't identify that you were in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. uh, but you were, you were doing the nation's biggest talk show for years out of Winnipeg, which I always thought was really cool. And and I referenced that to people, even when, when Carrie and I were, yeah. you know, have, have just made decisions about our own life. And like, would you know, there's this great T-shirt still in Edmonton. And people are always like, you know, when are you going to move to Toronto? When are you going to move to Vancouver? Yeah. And I always pointed to you. I said Adler yeah. didn't need to leave Winnipeg <laughs> to do his national show. It's, and especially now, people are picking and choosing where they want to live and work more than ever before. Well, it's just, it, as I've said on the radio, on the radio, I'd have to be, you know, once again, the audience is a little more culturally conservative, so I, I didn't have the freedom on the radio, but I got the freedom uh, here. Um, it doesn't matter where your ass is. I mean, who cares where you're sitting? You know, it doesn't matter whether I'm sitting in Manitoba, Alberta, British Columbia, you know, Maui. What, what difference does it make? It's where your head is. And most important, it's where the audience's head is. And in whether you're doing podcasting, radio, TV, I don't care what it is, you're only supposed to focus, at least this is how I was taught, because I got to stand on the shoulders of giants. So what I was taught was you're only thinking about one person. So in, in my case, and everyone's got their own attitude, I think about the person in my life who I have respected the most, and everyone knows that's my dad. So when I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, yes, I'm speaking to you, Ryan, but I'm speaking to my dad, and I want to say, you know, things that would affirm his values because his values are my values in that sense too. I'm just very, very traditional. And as long as I'm being respectful of my father, that doesn't mean that I, I can't use the odd, uh, uh, you know, uh, swear. It's not like my dad was, uh, was any kind of Puritan. He spoke, uh, he spoke the people's Hungarian. And then when he came to Canada, he spoke the people's English and I'd like to speak the people's English, whatever I've got the golden opportunity to do that. But as far as where you're sitting, I think it's absolutely relevant, especially if you're trying as much as possible to establish one-on-one contact. It's not where you're sitting or where I'm sitting. It's where the listener or the viewer is sitting. That's really the only thing that matters. You're, uh, you've, it's been 
fascinating for me for people that subscribe to our Sunday message. I send out an email every Sunday evening, just letting you know what was you know the highlights from the week before and what's coming up on the show uh, in the next number of episodes. Uh, you can subscribe; it's easy. Just go to the bottom of our main page at ryanjesperson.com. and uh, and I referenced in there. I posted in my email just last night. Chuck a tweet from Max Fawcett. Uh, the uh, lead columnist with Canada's National Observer who said who tweeted who proclaimed last week the Charles Adler renaissance <laughs> is just beginning so I get a chuckle out of that uh, not because yeah. I disagree I, I don't I think it's amazing and I love that people are waking up to it and I adore what we're doing on Mondays here on the show it's, I tell you I look forward to it all week and then you got the Prime Minister's former principal secretary Gerald Butts who tweets Charles Adler has become Canada's wise conservative uncle it's awesome. Uh, there's something going on and people are noticing. And I feel like every Monday on Real Talk, we get a front row seat to whatever is happening w- between your ears. And it's incredible. Yeah. Look, uh, as, I, as I said to the audience, I, I say to everybody and I say on your podcast, there's something about uh, the chemistry that you have with me, which we established a number of years ago. And although I was in a, a deep funk for the last few years in radio, not exactly a secret because all my feelings are, are transparent. Um, something happened a, a few months after that, about seven or eight months after that, when we started doing these uh, podcasts. And all of a sudden, it was once again like, you know, the girl I brought to the dance. You know, it was once again back to where I used to be many years ago when when, when radio didn't feel like a job job, where it was uh, simply something that I passionately uh, wanted to do, something I lived and breathed 24-7. And so whether it's called radio or podcasting, it doesn't matter. I just call it communicating with the public, communicating with Canada. And as everyone knows, my entire life has been a thank you card to Canada. I probably seemed ungrateful in my last few years on radio because I was getting uh, bored, grumpy, disenchanted. Whatever it is, it it doesn't really matter. Sometimes analysis is overrated. Um, So, yes, I'm experiencing a renaissance. I mean, some people would... Uh, you know, even call it a resurrection. I'm not talking about anything uh, religious here, but I just feel like the the my relationship with the country is is coming back to life. It's a special thing to watch, my man, and uh, it means a lot that you're sharing time with us. And I know the audience appreciates it too. We get a ton of notes all the time. I, I want to hit something head on, and, and I do want to talk a bit about the Queen's funeral. I want to talk to you about some politics, and just shoot the shit like we do, Chuck. Love it. Um, but but this is one you you hit something head on because not everybody's loving you um I, i'm not sure if you knew this charles but but sometimes you'll 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 discover you have critics online as well <laughs> and uh someone by the My name favorite of people yeah someone by the name of thomas tweeted at you and said charles adler is either a clickbait seeker or has alzheimer's and uh you responded to him pretty plainly and i, I wanted to get to this i wanted to talk about this i appreciated your response you want to te- uh, you know consider sure. this teed up you want to take it yeah well here here's a classic example where someone's pushing my button and it goes right to my dad because for those people who don't know i lost my dad because of, of alzheimer's uh so to me alzheimer's isn't the punchline. uh it's not a joke and it's not something that you just use uh, casually so i just said to, to thomas have you lost anyone with alzheimer's thomas do you find it funny Would you want your kids to know you think of Alzheimer's as either a joke or just a word to use casually when you disagree with someone's opinion? Here's a hashtag your kids will know, Thomas. Hashtag G-F-Y. Great fun years. Yes, that's probably what it means to some people. That must be what it means. Go find yourself. Go find yourself. (laughs) Go find find yourself, Thomas. Go find yourself is a good one. 
<laughs> well, I, ho- I hope I hope Thomas does find himself. And you know, the, the thing is that uh, while naturally I, I, I use uh, levity, uh, there's a point there. And you know, uh, people who uh, want to bug me that I'm not as I'm not conservative enough for them. You know, they don't really understand what conservatism is. Conservatism is respecting your heritage. It is respecting your mom or your dad or your uncle or your aunt or anyone else that has been dealing with, and perhaps you, you lost them because of Alzheimer's. And, and, and conservatism is, you don't make fun of that. And, and I don't, I don't make fun of my family. I don't make fun of your family. And I just, I just wish people under, would understand. It's not that I'm auditioning to be the conservative of the century or, you know, G- Gerald Butts calls me uh, Canada's uh, the conservative uncle and people think that he's mocking conservatism. He's not. You know, he grew up in a very conservative part of the world in Atlantic Canada, and he has a lot of respect for conservatism. Yes, he was obviously working for the liberals, but in terms of traditional Canada and being traditional and traditional values, Gerald Butts, whether people want to hear this or not, have a lot of respect for that, just as Ryan Jesperson does. All kinds of people who are arch-conservative are calling you uh, liberal and left-wing and all the rest of it. And every time they do that, all that tells me is, they don't really understand what it is to be a conservative. Mm. A conservative is not defined as being anti-vax. A conservative is not defined by uh, believing in conspiracies, the WEF conspiracy. And, and here's what I think is really important that people should understand. Conservatism is not defined by scapegoating somebody, scapegoating a group or an individual and hating on them. So uh, with all due respect to all the people who are loyal listeners of ours who drive trucks, for all those guys who think that, you know, F. Trudeau, and F. Trudeau is now on thousands of trucks, especially in Western Canada. Uh, you know, a friend of mine said to me the other day, he was doing some business uh, in Red Deer. He's based in Calgary, and uh, he's a big fan of this show as well. And he said, you know, he's a conservative and he can't stand Trudeau. But he just really, really got, they just got under his skin to see go F. Trudeau or F. Trudeau on, on all of these, these transports, all of these semis. And I just would submit to people that the traditional conservative way, at least what the way I was taught was, you don't hate on somebody. That's not how you campaign. What you do is you persuade the audience, you persuade the voter that you've got a better idea, that you've got a better set of principles, or at least that your position is principled. And then you outline what your principle is. Now, I realize some people think that's old fashioned. It's so much easier to just slag Trudeau and and talk about the WEF. But I, I would just submit to you that none of that is conservative. If I had to put a label on that, I would call it um, radical. And I'm, I'm not a radical. I'm not radical right or radical left. I'm a traditional person. I want to let everybody know that after you and I chat, and by the way, a little peek behind the curtain here, you and I rarely discuss. What we're, I mean, we talk a little bit about what we want to talk about ahead of time. We want to be prepared for the audience and have the elements we need to properly tell a story, yeah. but we don't map out our conversations. No, we don't no, cap our time limits. No. So I don't know. But after you and I chat, I've got an email here from Catalina and I'm setting aside about 10 minutes to read it. Catalina sure. tells us she's sitting in the mushy middle, Charles, and she okay. wonders how many other real talkers are in the mushy middle. And uh, I'll, I'll give you, I mean, I am it's called, right By there. the way, it's called normal, Catalina. It's You're called, normal. <laughs> it's called normal. Uh, Shalane says, this is the conversation I needed this morning. She says, I'm so sick of trying to defend myself for having balanced views. Uh, how about this from Kathy, who says, the conservative values we grew up with vastly different uh, than the social or, or so-called libertarian conservatism that seems to have taken control of the party today. Uh, Colette says, we used to have similar values and principles, but we could disagree on how to achieve them. And it just 
feels like it's different now. Uh, Tony says, I hate being called. Charles, you've lit a fire under people. Tony says, I hate being called a socialist just because I want everyone to benefit from a strong economy. Uh, <laughs> which is and by the way, the, well. the, the easiest, easiest way to have a strong economy, because we've got a mixed economy all over the world, whether you like it or not. You know, government everywhere is a big component of the economy. It's, a, it's, it's an economic driver. And so if you want to, you know, attack government every day, you want to destroy the government, don't feed the beast and don't, don't you know, don't tax anybody. All you're doing is hurting the overall economy. Every single sponsor of this podcast benefits from having an organized, sophisticated, professional government. And I don't care whether you're talking about, you know, firefighting, the, the paramedics, police, um, teaching, uh, having the, the proper infrastructure. I'm talking about the important uh, roads and bridges and everything. You, you cannot have a civilized society without having good government. Now, the government doesn't have to be outrageously big, but you've got to have a professional government. And every time I hear people going, oh, conservatism is about attacking the government. I'm sorry. Part of conservatism is is believing in good government. It's good government that helps you to have order. And by the way, it's also good government, whether people like to hear this or not. It's also good government that administers public health. We cannot have good public health. We can't have people healthy. We can't uh, have a situation where the hospitals are not overrun, which is what we don't want, without having good government. So I'm not asking you to suck up to the government. I'm not asking you to praise the government every day. But if you support people who just every single day find a reason to attack the government, what they're doing is they are attacking, believe it or not, they're attacking traditional conservative Canadian values. Mm. Uh, The Globe and Mail reports... Unlike the tens of thousands of people joining the eight kilometer queue, this is over the weekend, not today, obviously, uh, along the River Thames, uh, Mr. Trudeau, the prime minister candidate, obviously used a special VIP entrance to pay his respects to Queen Elizabeth. You didn't like the reporting from Canada's <laughs> newspaper. You ask who wrote this, a four year old, which world leader waited in line and didn't use a VIP entrance. Well, this is once again, the Globe and Mail trying to get a click. Uh, the Globe and Mail, I guess, doing a, a national post and, and some others. The easiest way to get a click in Canada is attack Trudeau. I, I guarantee you, if I launch an attack on Trudeau today, I will get gazillions and gazillions of clicks. That's easy stuff. I just expect the Globe and Mail to do better. And nobody at the Globe and Mail seriously thinks that Trudeau is going to be doing a Jason Kenny and waiting for 14 hours in line. My guess is that, that, that you know, Kenny didn't have any... Uh, security issues and, and what wasn't wasn't worried that he was going to be attacked it would not be wise for any world leader uh to just on his own on her own be waiting in line and i guess jason kenny and i, I don't want to i don't want to play psychologist here but i guess jason kenny in his mind does see himself as a world leader who should be attending these things unless there's some deeper reason for that and if there is i'll i'll apologize to my, my ex-friend jason kenny but I just found the whole um, uh, Kenny thing uh, in the last few days a little bit on the odd side. We're showing, uh, if people are watching this on YouTube, we're showing a, a video that was put out by the Instagram account Yag Wave. Uh, it's, it's just a it's a live stream. They captured Alberta's premier uh, making his way into the the uh, you know the the uh, cathedral where the queen lay in state to pay his respects. Can I say, <clears throat> Charles? Uh, I agree. Number one, I, 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 you can't have world leaders by themselves standing in line for 14 hours surrounded by who knows who and letting whatever may happen happen. 
Um, I actually, I, I kind of, I respect this with what Kenny did. It's a personal thing, right? And uh, and I know a lot of my friends were, were texting me because, you know, they're going, you've seen this, you've seen the guy, you know, Alberta's premier waiting 14 hours. Put it this way. He's there on his own dime. Uh, takes a couple days off work. I'm, you know, I'm not carrying water for the premier. I just here's my honest thought on it. Uh, he goes there on his own expense. He takes a couple days off work, which people are entitled to do. He says he was continuing to take phone calls from his office while he was there. But it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of insight into who appears to be. He's a bit of a different guy. Um, Jason Kenny strikes me. I don't know. I don't know him obviously very closely, but he strikes me as someone who may be a little bit lonely and who whose life is a little bit different than the average person. Obviously he has a, a, a huge fascination with the monarchy and a huge loyalty to the queen and this huge admiration on uh, around great Britain and its principles and et cetera, and its role in the world. I mean, I I'll reference, you know, him calling Canada day dominion day all the time. Um, but I, but I don't know. I, I guess I, I had different thoughts on it than a lot of my friends did who, who were simply mocking him for it. That wasn't, my sentiment uh your thoughts look i would have thought exactly uh, along the same lines you know i want to think i want to think the best of someone especially when i really don't think very much of them anymore i want to be able to say that there are some uh core values there are some principles that that he's got that he's he's loyal to and he's a, a good guy on those things so i would have said everything that you're saying and you said it very eloquently as always just one problem, you know, as Columbo would, you know, scratch his head, just, just one thing, just one <laughs> thing about that. that. show. Uh, <laughs> my fa- one of my favorite shows I of all time. I love that so, show. So the, the, the problem is he wasn't doing it privately. He was doing it very publicly. Okay. He wanted, he wanted the camera on him. He wanted to tweet about it. He wanted to Facebook about it. He wanted to let everybody know that he was visiting the Queen. So to me, if it was a deeply personal thing exclusively, he just would have gone off. I mean, Jason Kenney goes to places all the time and doesn't let us know precisely where he is. I mean, that's uh, nothing new. And by the way, I'm not saying that the man shouldn't have any privacy. That's not my point at all. But I'm just saying that he made his visit to Westminster Abbey a very public thing. And that's what made me believe that, you know, in his mind, he'd like to be a world leader. So he'd like to be at these events. Would he have gone... Anyway, if he was not Jason Kenney, Premier, if he was not, it was just Jason Kenney, the individual, perhaps. But I just think the fact that he wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of precisely where he was and precisely how long he was going to wait and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and make sure that the camera's on him. That's what, you know, sort of gave me the, the idea that uh, once again, for Jason Kenney, everything's a show. Mm. Uh, there's a lot going on this week. Uh, before we wrap, thank you for your time. I'm always curious to know what you're keeping an eye on. People are paying attention to the dynamic in Ottawa between, I mean, you know, geez, people say, well, the reporters never want to become part of the story, right? Uh, oftentimes editorialists and talk show hosts don't mind being part of the story, right? When we talk about clicks or driving ratings. If I, got, it, if, I, got blood, I got blood on my hands. You know, there's lots of blood yeah, here. You know, Corners finding lots of blood. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if, if, if someone in the gallery, I mean, it, it worked for like Jim Acosta with CNN and, and Donald Trump, and, it, and it's worked for others. I mean, they, they want Bill O'Reilly always wanted to be part of that, obviously. Uh, but reporters don't. And you had the David Aiken dust up with Pierre Polyev last week, and people are starting yeah. to wonder what that dynamic's going to look like with the media. Media and the leader of the new leader of the official opposition. You've got 
remarkable developments in Ukraine with the Ukrainian army forcing back the Russians, reclaiming territory. There's a ton going on there. Uh, Pakistan continues to be devastated. A third of the country virtually demolished, Charles, by the worst flooding that Pakistan has ever seen. 30 million people, almost the population of Canada, displaced there. Um, there's so much to pay attention to. We do our best on the show to, to, to cover and do justice to all of these stories. We want our subscribers, our listeners, and our viewers to be the most informed in their groups, in their circles. Uh, what's something that's really capturing your attention this week? Well, what captured my attention was that Pierre Polyev was so upset about David Aiken interrupting him. He first he called him a liberal heckler and all of that, uh, that it, it must have taken him, what, five minutes, Ryan, 10 minutes, 20 minutes to start raising money on it. Yeah. And he, you know, he was raising money on it. And he was just saying to people, you know, members of the conservative party, this is what we're up against. This is, this is what, you know, you, every single day when you're doing that gig, you're looking for an enemy. You know, we're up against, or, uh, uh, you know, you've talked about this on this podcast before, a grievance. You know, we're, I'm a victim of something. Pierre Polyev was a victim of, uh, of David Aiken, and uh, he decided to raise some money on it. And in saying that uh, he was a victim, he was saying that, you know, David Aiken was swearing at him. I don't think that's the case. I mean, if they had tape of David Aiken swearing at Pierre Polyev, I think that would have been part of the fundraiser and that would have probably netted them a, a lot of money. It, it's true that he did say to his uh, to, to his communications guy, Anthony, uh, before the thing got started, when he got told, when Aiken and the press got told that, yeah, there's a press conference, but uh, don't ask any questions, just kind of show up. Uh, and, and make it look like Pierre Polyev is addressing the media, so you're going to be there, um, and uh, no questions. And so David Aiken did say to to the press guy, to Polyev's press guy, uh, you know, like, I'm not an effing stenographer. Yeah, That's not what we're here to do. Um, and if Pierre Polyev wants to call that, you're hurling swears at Pierre Polyev, and he's up against David Aiken, he's up against the press. David Aiken, within a few hours of the entire event, Apologize. Said there was a you know better way of making the point that um, if if a guy's out there doing the, the freedom 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 thing every day, maybe he should believe in freedom of the press. Maybe he should believe in accountability. Maybe. And by the way, David Aiken and the others they weren't going to ask uh, Pierre Polyev you know uh, trick questions about nuclear physics. Okay, they were going to ask him about his own statements. I mean, what, what is wrong with the idea of asking a politician, any politician, to defend his own remarks? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think the whole thing. I mean, the fundraising to me was was uh, really. There were a couple of there were a couple of developments last week, which this audience knows. Number one, the fundraising off the David Aiken thing that that spells out. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but the letter that the conservatives sent out that Pierre Polyev sent out essentially says, "I need your support to help me go around the media, to help me go around the biased media." It's not just a strategy; it's a stated strategy which i think yeah. is pretty interesting uh you know and, and then the other thing too is you know they they lose a pretty prominent uh, quebec mp uh who, who will now sit as an independent and and who knows what his political fate will look like he was a supporter of the jean Charest leadership bid and uh and and upon his resignation the conservatives and they've since apologized for it but really spamming uh, people in his constituency telling him to flood the constituency office with phone calls demanding he resign this is uh, it's getting gnarly and nasty early. And I'm curious to see if the conservative MPs here are just going to 
step in line and, and, and walk step behind the, the dear leader. I would imagine most of them will. But when it comes time to seek nominations for the next federal election, we'll see what his retention rate looks like. I mean, I know it's a good job. I know it's got a great pension. Uh, but if you can't get behind the leader, I don't know if you want to keep doing it. Well, you know, bullying your own people, asking your base to, to, to bully them, uh, scapegoating people, including your own people, uh, basically trying to portray the media as the, the enemy of the people and all of that. Uh, this has been done by this has been done by authoritarians. It's being done by authoritarians all over the world. It's a lot of things. It is not traditional Canadian values. It's not traditional conservatism. And I, I'm sorry if some people feel that I'm preaching today. But this country means a lot to me, and it means a lot to me that many people have traditional values that they'd like to see upheld. They certainly expect the Conservative Party to be doing that, not the other parties. They expect it most from the Conservatives. That's why sometimes I seem to be much more down on them, because maybe, you know, they're they're the folks that I have the highest expectations of. They've been my, my home, my political home uh, since I was in my 20s, and I haven't been 20 in a long time. And so that's why this means something to me. Yeah. You've turned 20 a few times. I've already done it twice. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> Luke says, hey, listen, you guys, of course, Jason Kenney made his, his trip public. Uh, if we found out he went after the fact, we'd be asking how and why and who paid. Um, Luke, I'm not comparing purchasing a 57 Thunderbird to saying goodbye and paying your respects to the queen. But I agree with you, Charles. You remember this when former Alberta Premier Jim Prentice went down to the Barrett Jackson auto show uh, which I've always dreamt dreamt of, of doing. And, and, great show. You know, and, and uh, Mr. Prentice, may he rest in peace, doesn't have to apologize yeah. for having the means to invest in his hobby of classic cars. But you remember, uh, his office didn't disclose he was down there. I, I, I don't necessarily think they had to, but it blew up in their face when he was spotted again on the broadcast of the auction, right? He was just okay, like, who, who, he was who, like who, Jim who, from Alberta okay. bidding on this car. Okay, People lost okay, so, their minds. Okay, so that was rich Jim bidding on an expensive car. Okay. Yeah. Fine, I, I, I get all that. Who the hell is going to criticize Jason Kenney if he went and saw the Queen, went to Westminster Abbey on his own ticket and on his own dime, that's fine, and didn't even try to get any publicity for it? Who would criticize? I wouldn't criticize that. I'd say to myself, my God, I, I, Jason Kenney has given me something that I can congratulate him for. Jason Kenney has given me something that I can I can praise. I, I would see that as, as, frankly, high character. And that's the central issue I've had with Kenney. I think he's got a, a, a serious character problem. And uh, listen, I, I could be absolutely wrong about this. I could be wrong about lots of things. I, I just think that Jason Kenney went out of his way to make this public. And I just don't, I, I, you know, if he's got some deep personal slash religious connection uh, to the monarchy and, and the, the, the monarch is also the defender of the faith. And I understand, you know, Jason Kenney is, is Catholic. He's not Anglican, all that. I don't want to, I don't want to get into the entrails of all this, but my guess is that Jason Kenney does have several reasons why he is attached to this particular uh, monarchy and this particular Royal family. And that's fine. And if he's going private on his own dime, that's also fine. But if he's bragging about going on his own dime, and if he's making it into an exhibition, which is how I feel he did it, I just think that takes away a lot from, from that uh, moment of, of intimacy. Certainly, uh, look, Ryan, if you were going to anyone's funeral, whether it's the Queen or anyone else, uh, and it's it's your private business with that family. Uh, do you make a big deal of it? I mean, do you go on Twitter? Do you go on Facebook? Say, hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to a funeral today. I guess it depends who it is. 
probably depends how devastated I am, if you want me to be honest. If it's a personal loss, I'm not very public about it. Uh, I think of one this year that I attended. Um, yeah, I'll take your point. We're seeing a video right now of the procession. King Charles III, Princess Anne entering. Um, I love this question. We're jumping all over the places, which is how we love to roll with Charles Adler. If you're just joining us on the Mixer live streaming audio app, of course, Emmy award-winning talk host Charles Adler, our guest every Monday on the show. Uh, Colette has shared the face palm emoji. She says, David Aiken finally does something right and then apologizes for it. That's an amazing <laughs> comment. from. But how about this? Uh, a question for you. Uh, from Gilles, who says, for Charles, should a, quote, conservative, it's a small C he's using, should a yeah. conservative still vote for a conservative party that is no longer conservative in its values? Pointed fair question. No, no. I think I think there's nothing more important than, the, than values. I don't care which party you're voting for. And, of course, the values of, of the leader matters. And um, in many ways, on many days, I feel like an orphan. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to vote for the, the party that, uh, I used to vote for quite regularly without even, you know, call me crazy without even thinking about it. Uh, voting conservative to me was as natural as breathing. I wanted to ask you about this before we go. Talk to, uh, friends of yours and mine, Linda Steele, Jody Vance on Friday's real talk. They formed our real talk round table. They've got a really neat thing happening on check TV, Chuck on the West coast. Uh, they've launched steel and Vance employees own the TV station. They own their show. It's a really neat model. Uh, maybe the future uh, in a lot of contexts, as we see broadcasting and media continue to evolve. Well, so, some people tell me you, some people tell me that you own this show. I mean, maybe it's just a rumor. It's some people claim that you own the, you, your, your family owns it. I mean, you got a name for it. It's not called the Jesperson corporation. You've right. some fancy, What's that fancy name you've got for the relay? For the, relay, a big, big fan. Lots of syllables. You can check out relay <laughs> relaydigital.ca. There's my but, shameless but, plug, but, but that's our but, parent company. But yeah. I'm just, I'm just guessing that the majority shareholder in relay, <laughs> you and your wife, yeah, and your two kids. Yeah, that's, that's right. My, yeah, that's, that's right. Guess. I'll, I'll and, even, and, and I'll I'm, even crack our books enough to tell you that there are only two shareholders in relay, and they wake up in the same bed every morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, Sleeping with your business partner, it's, yeah. but it's not you two folks. They're married. They're married. So it's I'm not, not me. I'm not suggesting it's anything. not John. Anyway, it's, yeah, not, it's, not, it's not me. It's not John. I, su I, uh, I support family uh, business, and I support relay. Relay. Well, relay supports you, Chuck, and we love you. Um, I want to ask you though about another media company, and you probably saw this steel in Vance. We got into it on Friday. Ezra Levant, the founder of Rebel Media, is being sued by a University of Calgary professor, Dr. Jean Christophe Boucher. Uh, for defamation, and uh, this is based on comments that Mr. Levant made on his show on June 9th, uh, stating, and I won't read them all, uh, things like uh, Jean-Christophe Boucher is a raging Trudeau liberal on Trudeau's payroll and Big Pharma's payroll, too. Uh, he's done make-believe junk science hocus-pocus before in service of his vaccine paymasters. He's a partisan for hire. If you pay him enough money, he'll make a rainbow diagram with the name of people he hates in it. There's no science here. It's McCarthyism with an inkjet printer. There's no methodology. Uh, Levant is criticizing findings and publications from this professor. There's no academic rigor. This fake professor is trying to dress up partisan bigotry as some sort of science. But you'll find if you scratch the surface, he's nothing more than a Trudeau shill. I mean, he goes on and on and on. It's pretty significant stuff for somebody to clap back at probably the most litigious 
member of the media in Canada in Ezra Levant. Uh, what are your thoughts around this? And, and, and do you think that this lawsuit will be a game changer in any context? I it's 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 a that's a company and that's a person I, I tend to uh, say nothing about publicly and the, the very simple reason for that uh, he is uh, one of the best in the country at fundraising on on everything everything becomes a grievance yeah and I'm not I'm not interested in in doing public disparagement because all I would do if I did that was just help them find another way of raising though it's not something that i you talk about values it's not something i i believe in so i just don't wish to participate and if people want to criticize me for you know copping out um go, go ahead it's just it's some it's a it's an enterprise that i'm i'm, I'm not interested in in boosting Charles Adler, every Monday right here on Real Talk. It's a huge honor for us, Chuck, to get our week started off like this. And I know that Real Talkers agree because they tell us every single week. We'll see you again in seven days. Thank you so much. You got it. Give Charles a follow on Twitter at Charles Adler. And if you ever have a question for him, I love that one from Gilles about, you know, should a small C conservative vote for a big C conservative party if he feels they've lost their way? Uh, you can send us, you know, Chuck's coming up, right? Every every Monday, uh, you can send us a question anytime. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. If you go, hey, listen, I'd love to, you know, where he stands on this, or I'd love to, you know, get a sense of, uh, of maybe his perspective on a story that's making news or even a story that's not. Uh, feel free to submit those. We, As you can see, John shows us on YouTube sometimes the wide shot of our studio. And as best as we try to keep it organized, there are stacks of paper all around me, and a lot of times those papers or emails from you. We go as digital as we possibly can, but I'm still an old-school paper guy sometimes. And you so we've are. got emails I, and yeah. questions from viewers, you know? I, I hate printers. I'm done with printers, especially this one, too. I know, and it's new. And it's new, and, and it's it top sucks. of the line, and it's still Office people sucks. know what we're talking about. Yeah, people that people that watch Office Space, the movie, the movie. know what we want to do My with My wife's printer. all-time favorite movie, watches it about once a month. Two and chicks that's one at of the, the same time. One of the best scenes is when they beat the crap out of that copier. Because everyone printer. can relate. Everyone. Everybody can relate. That. That's what comedy's best is when it's relatable. Uh, hey, speaking of emails i told you and and charles was talking about alzheimer's uh it, it was not on purpose that i drew those two lines together we, we he wove it together but positive reflections coming up a little later on in the show and it's about alzheimer's it's an amazing story uh plus an email uh from catalina about the mushy middle in just a second first i want to let you know that our friends at friesen brothers are now taking orders for their thanksgiving dinner boxes Okay, we've ordered these every year for the past number of years. Absolutely fantastic. If you want to make yourself available to your family, that quality time around the Thanksgiving holiday, you don't want to be slaving away in the kitchen over this hot oven, why not check out the Thanksgiving dinner box? Just $60 feeds a family of four. Of course, you can make it a family of 40 if you want. Just go to Friesen.com, F-R-E-S-O-N.com to place your order today from Friesen Brothers in 16 Alberta locations. Our friends at Eden Landscaping, of course, getting ready for a seasonal change, so to speak, as the leaves start to fall. You can't deny it anymore, eh, Johnny? Mowed the lawn this weekend. It was just mulching leaves. I just have this <laughs> dusting of yellow over the grass right now. Well, that means that Eden's going to go into planning mode with their existing clients and their future customers, helping put the plan together to bring your outdoor space to life. 
in the spring. Sometimes these permits and a lot of times lining up the construction materials can take months. Don't wait until spring to get your project started. Get in touch with Mike and his team today at Landscape Edmonton. And if you're like the millions of Canadians that are trying to find a way to save a few bucks right now, the cost of living is up. I don't have to tell you that. Check out parkpower.ca, your friendly local utilities provider. You can compare rates on electricity, natural gas, and internet. Bundle them together to save money on admin costs. And of course, the promo code 2022-RealTalk knocks $70 off your first bill. What? That's like a dinner on the house park power is buying your family dinner 70 bucks off your first bill with that promo code at parkpower.ca wanted to leave some time for this email uh you know I, we were talking hey can we we'll give a shout out uh, you had a gig over the weekend yeah we uh, both had, we, we don't we, stop we're working eh? over the weekend yeah. we, um and we're here on the uh supposed holiday but yeah i'm trying to decide if right now is a good time to, to roll the video of what i was at what i was sure, up to over the weekend up, or not yeah. but, but remind me to get back on track okay. with with where we're talking about so this weekend i was at a place called sherwood motor cars mm-hmm. they have this rev contest it's an event <laughs> called cars and coffee and people come by and there's literally there's big trophies that they give away for <laughs> i know this isn't for everybody but for the car or the vehicle that can hit the highest decibels <laughs> <laughs> the loudest revs oh. and uh should we roll it this this is the winner if you follow me on instagram you can still see it it's up on my story this was hilarious i can still barely hear um but this this is the winning entry at the rev contest let's roll it <laughs> all right so that's a guy by the name of kelly his car is called Helenor. 130.4. 130 decibels. <laughs> it's a beast. No, listen, he fires it up again. Here he goes. Let's hear it for Kelly. Yeah. So, uh, guys, most hated neighbor on his block. You know those guys who come home and you're like, oh, Dale's home. There's Dale getting home from work. Second place was a Honda CBR 1000, a, a street bike, took mm-hmm. second place. And I think it was a Lamborghini Gallardo that was third, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there were a ton of vehicles out there. We were having a ton of fun. And then you were at Italian Center Shop in Sherwood Park. Yeah, we were both uh, in Sherwood Park. Yeah, yeah I love uh, Teresa Spinelli and their family. are just absolute legends. Incredible. The staff there is just amazing. It was so, one of my first times I think it was my second time in Italian Center, but first time walked around yeah. the whole building and really got a sense of it. Was it's, it the GM that you introduced me to? So, they, yeah, that was the, no, the managing director. Managing yeah. director. The GM is Gino. You were introduced to Ryan. but So yeah. Ryan comes up to us and he's a real talker. He says he listens. He goes, I'm a little bit behind. He goes, I try to catch every day, catch every episode. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about emails. And he goes, you know, I've thought about like emailing the show. He goes, there's things that resonate with me. There's segments that, that you know, really click or get me thinking. He's like, but I have two young kids, and I'm like running this grocery store, and I'm busy guy. <laughs> he was a busy guy. I said, I know everybody's busy. I said, but I'll tell you what, we make as much time as we can to read this feedback because it means a lot to us when somebody like Catalina takes the time to to put their thoughts down. And so, uh, you know, this one's for Ryan. This one's for everybody else that that takes the time uh, to listen to this show, to support the show, and of course, this one from Catalina who wonders, are you a member of the Mushy Middle? She writes this into talk at RyanJesperson.com. Jespo, I noticed the term woke has been thrown around by Pierre Polyev as a pejorative to label people on the left. And it got me thinking about where I fit into this discussion. I don't consider myself to be left or right. They both seem too extreme to me these days. 
Catalina says, I support LGBTQ2S plus rights. I was delighted when Canada was one of the first countries to legalize gay marriage. I support a woman's right to choose. I believe every human is entitled to be treated in a humane and dignified way, regardless of ethnicity, religion, or sexual orientation. That sounds pretty left-wing, I guess. Uh, but left-wingers don't see me that way when it comes to a discussion of Canada's past. As a student of history, I acknowledge that a lot of shitty things were done in the name of king and country and that some of the founders of Canada were responsible for horrifically racist and oppressive measures like residential schools, the forced internment of Ukrainian Canadians in World War One and Japanese Canadians in World War Two. Some of the people we laud as heroes, like the famous five who championed a woman's right to vote, or Tommy Douglas, the father of Medicare, were also proponents of the dubious so-called science of eugenics. Viewed through today's ethical lens, the vast majority of our historical figures would be canceled on social media, banished from society, despite any achievements they may have made. My preference is to look at the totality of history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And to learn from it rather than to entirely discount events and people. Sir John A. Macdonald is credited with Confederation and uniting Canada sea to sea through the building of the Canadian Pacific Railway. As a kid, we only learned the good stuff about Sir John A. Nothing was taught about the negative impact he had on Indigenous and other non-white people. That kind of whitewashing was and is wrong. He was also instrumental in initiating residential schools, responsible for sending troops to squash the Riel rebellion. His government instituted the head tax on Chinese immigrants, those same immigrants who were maimed and died by the hundreds, building the very railroad for which he is credited. He and his government were also embroiled in bribery and other scandals. Plus, he was reportedly a raging alcoholic. So while I agree that schools bearing his moniker should switch to a less problematic name if they wish, I am less inclined to advocate tearing down his statue. Here's why. He played an integral part in the establishment of this country. It does us no service to expunge him entirely from the landscape. Would we not be better served if a plaque detailing the totality of his legacy was installed beside the statue? A plaque which includes all the ugly and horrible ways he impacted the first peoples and others. Now, the idea is usually condemned by my left-leaning friends. It's not good enough, they say. All traces of him must be extinguished. And at the same time, my right-wing friends tend to write off the need to situate McDonald's legacy in any kind of modern narrative. They say the past is in the past. My view of this is a little more nuanced, but there doesn't seem to be any place for nuance in politics these days. Catalina says, I call myself a member of the mushy middle. Both the left and the right see me as not committed enough to be part of their team. And the thing is, the extreme views required to be part of either camp just don't appeal to me. I sometimes feel the language my kids use, like white privilege and colonizer, uh, though meant to pay respect to the historical mistreatment of people of color and first peoples, tends to evoke defensiveness in people. Instead of fostering desired feelings of contrition and empathy, those labels only continue the concept of us and them. It's no different from how Polyev or the Republicans down south are trying to weaponize the word woke. Labeling people rarely ever makes them feel like they're part of a positive way forward. As a member of the mushy middle, I feel if I don't fully embrace the views put forth by the far left, I'll be labeled a racist. But I most certainly am repulsed by the toxic vitriol I heard coming from Donald Trump and now Pierre Polyev. If your path to power is through fomenting division and hatred, you'll never get my vote. Now, while I do have some valid criticisms of Prime Minister Trudeau, including his handling of the SNC-Lavalin affair, 
the We Charity scandal, and other questionable ethical choices he made early in his prime ministership, I do not see him as a tyrannical dictator. I'm disgusted by the avalanche of vile comments that right-wing trolls leave about him daily on Twitter. I have friends who are right-wingers that spew such hatred for him it defies all logic. They're otherwise normal people, but they have really drunk the Kool-Aid when it comes to Trudeau. He's a politician. He's done some good stuff and some bad stuff. I don't see him as a martyr, nor do I see him as a monster. People who see him either way are engaging in hyperbole. And as a member of the mushy middle, I've learned not to discuss politics with anybody. It's too risky, and I don't need my head bitten off. I obeyed the health guidelines during the pandemic. I got vaccinated, wore a mask. I was thoroughly pissed off at the Freedom Convoy and was angry that they appropriated our flag. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to the findings of the inquiry into the invoking of the Emergency Measures Act. The use of that act requires scrutiny. And if the government overstepped its responsibilities, Canadians deserve a thorough and transparent accounting. I support our social programs. I want a properly funded public health care system and accountability if provinces funnel public money into private providers. But I also want our tax dollars spent wisely. I don't mind paying my fair share as long as it's not wasted. Catalina says, I was motivated to write this because I suspect I'm not alone here in the mushy middle. And I wonder if anyone else in your audience feels the same way I do. So, over to you, Real Talkers. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. You can let me know what you think about this email. I think it's phenomenal. I appreciate that Catalina took the time to put it all down there. The minute you start talking about whether or not the statues of Sir John A. Macdonald should come down, I know it's going to light a fire under people. And Catalina touches on a number of really pertinent, relevant, timely points. And we look forward to seeing how you'll respond. I'll make the commitment that when we start to receive emails in response to this, we'll keep that thread going. And I like Catalina's chances as an mm-hmm. early front runner in our Real Talk Email of the Month Club. I like it too. Once a month, we'll award a Real Talk studio mug, mailed obviously at no expense to the winner, uh, to the person whose email every month really gets us thinking, really kickstarts conversation. That's the whole point. You know, that's really what we endeavor to do here. If we're not doing that on the show, why are we even here? Side note, the mushy middle is what my wife calls the section of my body where my, my abs used to be. Oh, buddy. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. What was the thing people are calling it a dad bod, but there was like there was another word for it that people were saying that the, uh, oh, it'll come up to me. I'll blurt it out when I remember what it is. But uh, you rock that, buddy. Maybe I'll start seeing your trainer. <laughs> he's available. Great dude, he is. Great guy. Yeah. He's an amazing guy. Shout out. I think he might actually be in the live chat this morning. I'm not Ooh. sure. I could drop in and check and see if he's here. Uh, but yeah, you can you can check him out at uh, GrahamDuty.com as well. That was uh, that was not planned, by the way. That, that's just a that's we- just that's just one on the house. You can find GrahamDuty.com. This wasn't and, planned. Uh, see the guy that just beats me up <laughs> every single Tuesday. Just be- have you heard of Jacob's Ladder? Are you familiar with what Jacob's Ladder the film? is? No, the uh, like exercise the equipment. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a machine. And it's just this, uh, you can imagine like a, a conveyor belt with um, ladder rungs on it. And, and the, the faster you climb, the faster it goes. And you got to keep it. You're like a hamster in a wheel. And the Jacob's ladder <laughs> is uh, some, it'll, it'll cause your, in particular, I mean, everyone's body's probably different for me. It's my hamstrings and my calves. Within about 45 seconds, they just start screaming at me. Like, why are we doing this? Oh, I'm looking at the, this looks crazy. Yeah. You can Google the Jacob's ladder. It's like Graham's favorite. He gets this smile on his face. He's like. All right, buddy. We're gonna see the Jacob's ladder. He likes like, when oh, you're uh, feeling the burn. <laughs> oh, feel the burn, baby. 
Tony says, I don't talk politics with friends anymore. Uh Uh-uh. Says, we debate whether pineapple belongs on pizza. That might be more divisive, Tony. Um, Raisins and cinnamon buns. How to do a kick-ass brisket. You know, important life stuff. Yeah, I agree. Lori says, brilliantly stated. uh, Says, uh, I'm also a mushy middle member. And your email covered all the challenges that are faced by us mushies. Maybe this will be our new billboard. Meet us in the mushy middle. (laughs) Might require some explanation. Uh, Luke says, I do appreciate this person's perspective. Catalina, they they certainly aren't alone. Uh, I do think they have some work to do when it comes to understanding what privilege is about. It's not to feel guilty. Also a fair comment. This is great. Keep it coming, Real Talkers. We love it. We love this type of conversation. It's why we're here. Our friends at Apex Automation are committed to these conversations in a big way. And you know they've been putting out a call to engineers across the country right now. Check out the careers link at apexautomation.ca. They're building a culture at Apex where amazing people like you can do your best work. If you're ready to grow your career, challenge yourself, and learn new skills, you've come to the right place. They hire extraordinary people and give opportunities to develop and reach full potential, both technically and as a human being. Get this from Apex, quote, people don't leave companies, people leave people at Apex People Matter. You can find out what they're doing in engineering, fabrication, automation at apexautomation.ca. Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park also want to remind you that the change of season means a change in specials, and that includes the world-famous Dairy Queen Blizzard. You can check out their fall flavors today at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And of course, don't forget their collection of signature stack burgers. My personal favorite, the Loaded Steakhouse Stacker. That's the one I'm thinking about today with the bacon strips and the, well, geez, that onion ring on top. The Dairy Queen bun, There's something it's not talked about enough, John. Take a nap after the, that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> These things never make it out of the parking lot with me. I'm the guy that literally goes through the drive-thru. I pick a parking stall, and I just crush it. <laughs> it doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, our thanks to the friends at Dairy Queen that have had our backs since show number one. We love you guys. Well, Charles and I were talking a bit about Alzheimer's, and uh, we didn't know we were going to. Uh, it was just based on a tweet of his, as you saw over the weekend. But it's, it's perfect, and it, it lines up. Uh, a very special feature this morning. You know, every Monday or the first show of every week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy remind us that amazing things are happening all around us. We want to fill your bucket every single Monday. Let the rays of sunshine hit your face, so to speak. I want you to meet Joy Milne. This is an amazing story that's being reported by the BBC and NPR and a bunch of international news outlets. For, for most of her life, Joy Milne had a superpower that she was totally oblivious to. Uh, she's a, a retired nurse. Her husband was a doctor, both of them working in healthcare. She said when they met in high school, her husband, Les, uh, remembered dancing with him at a party and she was struck by his wonderful smell. I love the word she used. She says he had a lovely male musk. He had a lovely male musk. Uh, They got married. They had three boys, but about 10 years into their marriage, uh, Les is like 31 years old at the same time. He came home one day and Joy says he smelled different. His musk had got this kind of overpowering, kind of a nasty yeast smell. Well, long story short, so she kept talking to Les over, it was a number of years and and she's going, listen, like that smell, like you're not, you're not bathing enough. You're not looking after yourself enough. And of course he's getting agitated because he's doing everything he can and he has no idea what she's talking about, right? 
But then as the years go on, Joy starts to notice that other changes started to happen, John. His personality, his character, he began to change. He was more moody. He wasn't as tolerant. Well, guess what? One night he attacks her in bed, in his sleep. She says, I know he's having a nightmare, but but we have to get medical. Something's happening here, right? So at 45 years old, he goes to his doctor. Guess what? He's diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at 45 years of age. 14 years after Joy first started noting this musky smell. So they decide to attend a support group for people living with Parkinson's. And they walk into the room and guess what hits her? The smell. Joy said, I have chills as I'm reading this story. Joy says she realized that the other people in the room had the same, quote, greasy, musty smell. And then I realized that these people smelled stronger than anybody else. So they go to the University of Edinburgh and they, they meet with a researcher named Tilo Kunath, who develops, along with researchers at Manchester University, a skin swab test, which is analyzing skin on the backs of Parkinson or Alzheimer's patients, Parkinson's patients, neurodegenerative patients. And guess what? It turns out that without a chemical test for Parkinson's, thousands of people have been on the waiting list for neurological consultations. It turns out that Joy Milne can smell disease. Wow. And they're trying to figure out exactly what it is with her, what it is she's smelling, the chemical components, and when they nail it, this will be, will be a massive development for diagnosing neurodegenerative diseases in patients around the world. (laughs) This is an incredible story. A woman with a superpower she never knew she had. You can send us your positive reflection anytime, email, Twitter, whatever. We want to know what's made your day. A random act of kindness, somebody who paid it forward. It's presented every week by Kubi Energy. You can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. Coming up on Tuesday's Real Talk, we'll continue our conversations with the leadership candidates that want to be Alberta's next premier. Alberta's former finance minister, Travis Taves, will be our guest. And later this week, we're looking forward to a Real Talk roundtable that's going to focus on what the UK is doing right when it comes to climate change. A fascinating group discussion based on the scientific journalism of Anne Castleman. She'll be anchoring that roundtable. Make it a great Monday, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show, and we'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Randy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 